Hi everyone. In this episode of So What Did You Do? We are talking about establishing a beacon of hope in the community with Eric Jesperson of The Lighthouse in Woking. Really like to clarify, what is it you do and what is the problem that you're addressing? What we do is hold space for addressing the needs around us that we see of people impacted by different forms of poverty. So people who get marginalised or um, isolated, it might be poverty of resources, so it could be food or clothing or you know sort of practical stuff it could be a poverty of relationships so people are isolated um you know kind of uh, don't know how to engage with others and are feeling lonely um or it could be a poverty of identity people's who whose sense of self their self-esteem or self-identity is in a mess and, and they need support with that. So we, we look at trying to address those different kinds of poverty in fairly creative ways, all under the same roof in a very kind of integrated, hopefully holistic way. Right. Because you're based in Woking, for those who don't know, and mm. you're actually in an old... Uh, uh, you repurposed an old furniture store, haven't you? Yeah. Um, and I've been in there and you you run, I mean, what sort of things do you do in there? Because I've seen it's over, over multiple floors. Um, I've not obviously for frequented the cafe that's at the top. Yeah. Um, and I'm presuming that that helps uh, fund the rest of the projects. But what are the other projects that go on uh, within the building itself? Yeah, so specifically within the project, the actual projects include things like a food bank, an adult clothing bank, uh, a children's bank where we do, you know, uh, clothing, equipment, buggies, cots, all that kind of stuff for for young ones. Um, We have community lunches. We've got a kitchen where we do cooking training. We do well-being workshops and... um, creative arts um there's around 20 different projects that run and uh and so they're all but they're all around those sort of areas of addressing practical needs where people are missing physical stuff or kind of a, a emotional identity needs and uh and relational stuff trying to cultivate community so where did it all come from because it's it's a really um admirable thing you're doing um and obviously you're addressing all these needs and you've got these 20 projects which you know are all fascinating and love to dig deeper into it but where did it all start from it actually started um, my wife and i were leading a local church and some of the women in the church said oh we really want to help people in need but we're busy mums we don't really know what to do we do, however, have some stuff in the loft, you know, some baby equipment. And I wonder if there might be someone locally who could benefit from that. We said, that sounds like a really interesting idea. So we gathered all their stuff together, uh, rented out a little cupboard in a community center uh, on the south of the town. And once a month, pulled out all this stuff into the hall and put it on a table, got some tea and coffee and biscuits and that, and said like people could come in and get stuff if they needed. Uh, I think the first month no one came, 
the second month, I don't think anybody came. I think the third month, maybe one person came. And then just this trickle started to develop of, of people coming. And, and, you know, within several months, people were getting buses from all over the place. We had people traveling up from Southampton. It was crazy. And so we moved. We then relocated that project into the town center to be more accessible. And again, it was just we were being inundated. We were opening twice a month, and we would have, before we opened the doors, 50 people queued up in the rain outside before. Wow. So we, we were just thinking, gosh, there's a real need here. We need to find a permanent home. So we were knocking around. We didn't have any money or uh, resources, so we, we were knocking around looking for an empty shop, you know, a bit like a charity shop might take on a rent-free lease of, of an unused shop. So we, we were trying to do that. And in that process, um, someone said, oh, there is this derelict building here. It's not even on the market, but would you like to take a look at it? We said yes, expecting a small shop front um, and... We went through these shutters, you know, this boarded up shop front and went into this vast cavernous space, this huge four-story building, 10,000 square feet. And we said, um, well, which bit of this building are you talking about? You know, and they said, <laughs> they said, um, all of it, you know, so, so uh, we were like, wow, well, this is way more than we need. But, you know, what if actually this is like a, an invitation into something here? You know, we need to look yeah. into this. So we, we, we went and met with the landlord and we said, look, we're, these, we're this local group of people. Um, wondered if you would give us your building for free um, and we'll try and do some stuff for the community. But we have no money. We have no expertise in renovating a derelict building, um, but we'd like to give it a go. And incredibly, he said, yes, he sh we shook hands on the spot. And, you know, obviously that was followed with the sort of formalities of a lease. But um, it was it was just this crazy idea. And, and we stepped into it. And what happened was just this incredible movement of people in the community, tradesmen coming and donating their time, skills, um, even people we would eventually want to sort of reach through the project, homeless, recovering addicts and that, started coming in and helping, volunteering time and renovating the space. And so it just kind of took off into this organic adventure. And then once the space was ready, you know, we had this one project, this this jigsaw project where we, we had children's clothing and toys, but, but very quickly we were like, okay, what next? And so we launched a food bank we started teaching people to bake cook and it just kind of went on from there and there and there and kind of grew over over time so i mean how long ago was it that i mean how long ago was it that you this started like at the inception yeah the inception was just 11 years ago it was 2011 that we came across the building um so and previous to that the the cupboard idea was yeah. how long before that was that that was in um uh, 2006 so it had been a sort of five-year journey up to that point of going right. from absolutely nothing the cupboard up to you know kind of getting this large building and that i take it was sort of pre the massive escalation in social media so it was word of mouth yes yeah, I mean, we've always been absolutely terrible at even sharing and advertising. So, um, so it really has been a word of mouth thing. And back then, it was. I don't even know how people 
heard about it, but yeah, amazing. And you say you had people up from Southampton. For those yeah. that don't know, that's probably about a, a good hour and a half train, uh, hour train ride. Yeah, yeah, crazy. I don't even know how they heard about it. And people were coming from the other side of London doing a two-hour commute, you know, journey, try it on tubes and that to get across. And we were like, "This is crazy. Why? Why are you coming this far? Surely there are things nearer to you." But um, people were, were, just seemed desperate. We were so shocked. So it's morphed into this massive operation that's sound by, by your description when you walked into the where you are now and saw the vastness of it um how has it grown to fill the whole area mm. well we it, it's the, the way i've thought about it is a bit like a garden you know we've sort of cleared some space and then stuff has just grown up different things have been planted some almost accidentally you know seed scattered some quite intentionally let's put that plant in there let's start a food bank okay let's take some effort and work and thought but that's become like a really large plant in the garden that's a really big project in the lighthouse we're feeding um at the height of the pandemic eight thousand people through that year eight thousand um, people yeah um it's probably on an you know settled back down to more around the 6,000 mark, but it's, it, that's a big project. Um, other projects have, have just popped up. Um, and so it's been quite an organic process. That's why I describe it like a garden. It's like, we, we just have seen what's happened. Sometimes a need will develop where, for example, through the jigsaw project, we were supporting single parents. And one of them came to us and said, um, my child is ready to go to school and I'd really like to get a job, but I've never worked before. Can you help me? So we're like, oh, right. okay, let's help you write a CV. So that little seed be- suddenly became a whole project, helping people prepare for work. When she got a job interview, she said, oh, I've got no clothing to wear for smart clothes. So we cobbled together some s- smart workwear and, and and that developed into we realized a n- number of people had that issue so we started collecting clothes for workwear and uh, that's become a huge project called style studio where we do whole clothing consultations with people and you know get them um really nice clothing for for work and life and uh, and so it, it with some of the people we started working with preparing them for work we realized they actually, they might have even had a degree, well qualified, but their their identity, their personal sense of self was so low that we needed to do life coaching to to help them actually just kind of be in the right headspace. And, and so that developed into a project. And so it's just had this kind of organic, responsive way of growing and growing. Um, and, and it continues to. We just keep responding to new things. We're like, oh, there's a need. Let's do something about that, you know, and uh, and kind of see what we can do. So it's amazing that this, um, the way you're explaining how things have uh, developed and grown and morphed organically, as you're saying. Um, so it, someone volunteers a need or observes a need and, it sounds like very proactive with right okay let's fulfill that need and out of that it sounds like um that then magnifies because the word of mouth or or however it's transmitted um 
that need is obviously not an isolated need. It's just mm-hmm. that one person or couple of people who you're addressing. And then all of a sudden it's the trickle is then, you know, the two people you've dealt with speak to five others, they come in and then all of a sudden you have a project that's gathering momentum. Yeah. I mean, what are the challenges you face within the, you know, these, this development of these projects? Um, good question. I think, you know, one of the key challenges is, is resourcing that we are incredibly privileged to have a big volunteer base. We, we have a very kind of joyful, upbeat culture. People love working with us. And so we've got around 300 volunteers, um, and a constant in-stream of volunteers, but that can be a challenge. Uh, in fact, we, we just recently were given the Queen's Award for volunteering. So, um, well, congratulations. Uh, yeah, it's just an amazing credit to our volunteers who are so dedicated and that but people do that but that can be a challenge uh, resourcing that and uh, and kind of having the expertise as well within a particular field you know we don't want to just make stuff up so particularly if you're dealing with very tender issues around people's trauma or um, pain you know we we try and get professionals in to work alongside us and help us and look after them well um so resourcing that and finances is a huge one we we thankfully have very kind of lean business model the building is free people donate their time a lot of the stuff we give away is donated but it still costs a lot of money to do stuff and occasionally when projects are so large that we need to employ staff to at least manage it um, right you know though that has cost so so there's this constant sort of chasing after keeping it financially sustainable so that, that's a big challenge it must be awfully rewarding to see um, the impact you have I mean what a typical example have you got any examples of people you've helped that have you know gone from you know sort of the depths of the lowest point up until you know uh i can't don't know how to explain it but you know from the other end of the extreme where they are then functioning as in the societal norms and you know being positive i mean do they um do they give back through the lighthouse do you find Yes, yeah. Um, I'll give you a couple of stories. One, I mentioned a, a single parent who we were helping back into work. That person had started out uh, isolated in their flat. They were, um, it, it didn't speak much English and um, were, were just kind of hiding out, very, very socially isolated and anxious. And uh, as we supported them over a length of time, they then, you know, were ready to look for work got a job uh they're doing really really well the son's in school and uh and and they're just thriving so so independent and joyful now and she'll often pop in and say hi and just let us know that she's still doing really well so so it's wonderful to have seen the turnaround in her life um one of the first guys we worked with he was actually sleeping rough in a tent in the woods and we happened to meet him in the town square and it was right when we'd first got the building and he said um look i i'm an alcoholic i'm trying to get my life back together but I've got nothing to do in the day. I go walk into the town centre and there's other guys sitting on the bench drinking. I end up drinking and I'm just in this vicious cycle. I, what I need is something to do during the day to, to give me focus and purpose. 
we said, look, we're renovating this building. Do you want to just come and help us? So it, it wasn't particularly skilled or anything, but he would turn up 8.30 every morning. He'd be outside the front door of the building and he'd come in and spend a day with us. And just as he spent time kind of around people who were interested in his story, giving him community, having a laugh over a cup of tea and a biscuit and, at a, you know, at a break, um, you could just see his mental health shift. And he stopped drinking. He he sort of the whole his whole appearance started to change and over the months he um he really got himself together and he eventually um got himself a job he moved away got a flat and he's still in touch years later he'll it's from time to time drop us a message to say guys i just want you to know i'm still you know on my feet and doing well thriving and uh those stories are incredible where where you know, you just see someone literally go from, you know, someone who's who's addicted to the alcohol, living in a tent in the woods, um, no hope in life, to to sort of being on their feet with their own home, a job, a girlfriend, you know, and just all those what you perhaps describe as societal norms, you know, aspirations for, for what his what he wanted his life to look like. That's that is an incredible um, example. I mean, how does that impact you personally? I think, as you said earlier, it's incredibly rewarding. Um, probably more than anything, it's humbling. Uh, I think it, because it doesn't, it doesn't feel like we are what we have the magic answers or anything. It just is that we're creating space, which pour out compassion and dignity. But that's about it. You know, we don't, we don't, we try to love people with a, an authenticity, but that's all. Uh, we really need people to take hold of it themselves. And, and as we step back and just see these stories unfold, it's incredibly humbling. Um, yeah. I suppose you're saying it's humbling. It, it, it sounds like you're giving them the tools to be create, uh, courageous in their own space, to take um, control of their own situation by, um, yeah, giving them the, the license to, explore options or just get away from a situation i mean that that guy you were saying about that is quite a courageous thing to do to go somewhere that isn't a normal place he would go to understand that he's um he has a need and to avoid you know look for somewhere to avoid where the problems are yeah Um, and that is that's incredible this it's just it just goes to show when there is somewhere to go, mm. um, then there's there will be an uptake on it from a, a certain portion that you don't even go looking for. Because, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the things I was going to ask is, do you, it doesn't sound like you need to, but do you do any sort of outreach to help people? Um, help me understand what you mean by that. <clears throat> I mean that uh, uh, from everything you've said, it sounds like, um, everyone comes to you um, through recommendations or word of mouth or mm. um, at any point do you see a need um, that needs sort of you guys to actively go out and address um, people and say you know there is this resource here if you need it yeah I mean the word of mouth thing is developed over time so now we work 
with over 100 frontline agencies, people who are out on those front lines who can point people in, everything from social services to probation services, teams supporting refugees and that. So in a sense, they are our outreach workers. You know, they see right. people with need and they'll redirect people mm-hmm. to us. Um, one of the biggest growth areas we're seeing is families who are kind of in that squeezed middle as as the um you know economic crisis bites there there are people who aren't necessarily in the normal system but school link workers people working at schools start to notice the family stories and they like they'll reach out to their family and go, is everything all right uh, what's yeah. going on um do you do you need help from the food bank or the debt advice service at the lighthouse or you know something and they'll they'll often sign pe- post people into us so so there is a lot of that probably a lot of people uh come to us through that um that said you know in terms of outreach during the pandemic when we couldn't invite people in and couldn't engage with people we really wanted to get out to where people were and hear the stories how were people coping with the isolation all of that and um and so we we got a, a like a horse box trailer that had been converted and we borrowed that and went out took that out on into estates you know and communities and we're serving free coffees and ice creams and that just as a way of of being out in the space and being able to have those conversations with people um which was really fun i was going to say that must have been interesting how was that received People loved it because there was this, you know, we were able to do it. It was out in sort of wide open public space and, and people were just desperate to talk. You know, people were mm. surviving in sometimes just in a bedsit or a small flat and, uh, and just to, to be able to step outside and, and talk to someone and just for us to say, how, how are you doing? How is it going? And for them to share their story um, and that's often one of the most powerful things we need we need to be seen uh, I remember talking to a, a, a friend who, who was homeless and he said when he used to beg on the streets the biggest thing was not that people would give you money it was that people would notice you and see you um, and wow. if if people averted their eyes and walked past you it made you feel invisible you didn't mind if someone looked at you and acknowledged that you were there and didn't give you anything. It was for them to pretend you weren't there. That was the hardest thing. That was the most crushing experience. And he said, the biggest need we have is to be seen, to be acknowledged. Morning, hi there, just something that says, yeah, I see you. And, and that's always stuck with me. And so I think, you know, what we try and do, whether it's going out to communities like with our horse box trailer or as people come into the lighthouse, it's always giving people that sense of like, I see you, I, I value you, I notice you, you're important, we're glad you're here, um, you know, what's your story, like, like you, you know what I mean, just articulating yeah. that, communicating that is so important. It's, it's actually very emotionally um challenging to hear that actually because i don't think that everyday people realize the impact um that what you're explaining has um it's bad enough if uh in you know you or i someone doesn't say hello to you and you're like oh, you get to get a hump they're so rude but to have that 
all the time must be yeah. soul destroying. Yeah. Um, and it seems, um, from what you're saying, that the the value that you give to the people that you serve is the fact is exactly that is yeah. that you are aware of them yeah. and that you are more you are empathetic to what they're going through their needs their aspirations their dreams and communicating with them in a way to enable them to pursue them and yeah. give them a a tool within the light box or tools projects yeah. to be able to do that. And I think yeah. that that comes across as the, the, the biggest value. If yeah. what you're saying is tr- um, about that guy, is true that the, the biggest need is the, the talking and the engagement and the empathy. And Absolutely. yeah. And I think Nathan, you're right. I th- and that's where this is something we can all do. You know, sometimes people look at what's happening at the lighthouse and they're like, wow, that the scale of that is is impressive, but yeah. it could be daunting. Like, how do I yeah, get yeah. with that? You know, I, do, I don't have time or whatever, um, or, or I would find it intimidating. But we can all notice the people around us, you know, and just say hi, you know, smile people, ask them a question. How is your day going? And, and wait and listen. Um, the, the neighbor who might be lonely or the person you see on the street or whatever, just the person behind the checkout, um, just to, to notice them and, and do that. We can all do that. And it's, it's unbelievably powerful just to let people know, I see you, I value you. I, I, I completely agree with that because I, I do I make a conscious effort in my walk from the where I park my car yeah. to where I get to work to say hello, catch an eye, smile to people, and it's amazing actually the response. Sometimes you like they look at you like you're mad, but <laughs> overall it's uh, it is a, a re-engagement of oh exactly what you're saying someone's noticed me. Um, and um, I was going to say something that was profound, but it slipped my mind. Um, it's called it, yeah. Um, but I think that what you do is amazing. That's exactly what I was going to say, that this is the whole point of this podcast is to get people to realise that they can take very small steps but have a very big impact. Mm. And that ties in with what you were just saying with a simple hello, a simple how are you, engaging with someone for a couple of minutes of your time. Mm. And everyone knows that time is the most valuable commodity we have. Yeah. And if you can spend that on someone, it has a lasting impact. I've met, um, there was a guy who was begging near the station a, a little while ago. And I, I don't give money because you don't know where it's going. So I asked him if he wanted a drink, something to eat. Mm-hmm. And the came back with it and sat and run, just giving to it. I made a decision there to just sit and actually find out who it is. His name was Liv, um, Olivio. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was, you know, a perfectly normal guy who just was in not normal circumstances. But from then, every time I saw him, wherever he was in the town, there was a big smile, a big wave, and a lightening of his mood, which lightened my mood. Um, so 
just yeah I the little things that. yeah it's that's beautiful it's exactly it's exactly that and you know sometimes like that even that is it takes it might take courage for some people you know just to to go up to someone who's begging they worry if they say sorry i'm not going to give you money but how are you or can i get you something that even yeah but, but it, it might like i said earlier it might be the person behind the checkout counter who's just <laughs> standing at that petrol station all day every day and people <laughs> they, they might see a thousand people but nobody actually sort of looks at them like you're a human being they're just looking at the payment machine and what's the total on the till and walk off and um and and yet just to to take that second and go you know you're a person with a story standing here and i'm stepping into your story for the next half a minute or a minute uh let me just acknowledge you thank you for being here or how's your day going or uh what's it like at the moment or you know anything just just to engage with that uh, an elderly neighbor who's walking their dog down the street that might be the only time they ever see someone else in the day and the dog is the closest friend the closest sort of contact they have to anyone because nobody talks to them their family live far away and for you just to give them a broad smile and say how are you doing um you know that's not a scary thing to do and yet you might make their whole week by just that little bit of contact they felt seen they they you acknowledged their humanity and gave them dignity um it's amazing how powerful those little actions are Indeed. Um, yeah, and Powerful Actions is what, obviously, you guys do. Um, obviously, you have a need for volunteers and stuff and help and, you know, from outside of things of your control. Um, how can people get in touch with you or find out more? Um, maybe they can help or maybe they could just support, or maybe they could come in and try the cakes at the, uh, the coffee shop, which is, it's called the Cozy, isn't it? Yes, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a really fun way of experiencing it. It's a great way because, um, you know, they, it, it's a way of seeing it in action. It's one of the things we love about the Cozy. Not only does it serve brilliant coffee and delicious food, but it helps people see what's happening there and and removes that kind of barrier that sometimes you know how often do any of us walk into a homeless hostel or addiction recovery center or anything unless you need to be there you just wouldn't do it and so there can be this kind of mystique this kind of alienating wall between us and and people in need and yet walking into the lighthouse just to go to the coffee shop you go oh there's the food bank oh there's the community lunch oh there's the clothing bank actually that looks very normal. Maybe I'd like to volunteer. Maybe I'd like to donate to that. So, so do that. Come in and, and grab a coffee and and just see it in action. Um, but otherwise, look at our website and uh, and see. There's lots of ways, pathways there to donate financially, to donate items, to uh, sign up to volunteer, or even just to start the conversation and and talk about what it could look like. So our, our website is Lighthouse woking.org and right. uh, there's a great little video and stuff that gives people a snapshot of, of what it looks like okay and do you use social media are there any platforms you use yeah we do we are lighthouse woking on facebook and right. we are a little bit different on instagram we are t dot lighthouse and right. uh, and follow our story there as well 
Okay. Well, Eric, it's been great talking to you, and I'm so glad we persevered um, through people being ill and <laughs> COVID and other things. I think you're doing a fantastic job, um, and it is amazing to hear a bit more about it. And um, I wish you all the best in the future um, with the projects you're working on. Thanks so much.